Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today we're in the food business. I can't even wait to dive into this one. Um, I have on the podcast today, Desmond Tan, and he is the founder, owner, CEO, chief leader at Burma Inc., Desmond, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. So honored. Um, really enjoy your shows. And um, thank you so much for having me on, on the air. I am so glad you're here. I was super excited about this one because I love food and I love eating out at really cool restaurants. And if you're in the Bay Area, West Coast, you're going to love the stories today about Burma Inc. So, all right, let's dive in. So Desmond, start us off with, tell us about Burma Inc. and the your business there and how you got it started. Um, Burma Inc. basically is a consolidation of um, our restaurants, Burma Superstar, um, Burma Natural Food Products, uh, Burma Love, and uh, soon to open Burma Club restaurants, and uh, also part of the the uh, the organization is the uh, Future Superstars, which is the uh, nonprofit arm for our businesses. And how did you decide to get in this business? I know you came to the U.S. at age eleven, right, with your parents, one of four children. It's an amazing story. Two hundred dollars in the family's pocket, not in your pocket, the family's pocket, and here you are with this amazing growing business. How did how did you get there? How did you go from this eleven year old new to the United States to successful entrepreneur? Um, <laughs> yeah, two hundred dollars. I, I think the credit goes to my my parents. Uh, if it were up to me, you know, I, I think my daughter would still be where she's at. I don't think I'll be relocating <laughs> anywhere. Wow. Uh, but I, I think that my parents sacrificed a lot uh, with four kids when they left Burma. Well, we had a they had a comfortable life, and when they came here, Burma still was still a military regime, a socialist country. And when you leave the country, in those days, you leave for good. You don't expect to go back. And they, the government allow you to take only $200. Wow. Um, Unbelievable. To, to leave the country. Unbelievable. Uh, they got here. You know, they worked at, say, um, dishwasher. My father did. Um, and also um, worked at gas stations uh, at times, uh, two, three jobs, um, to survive in, in the new country, in America. So um, I, I think... Um, you know, hopefully their their sacrifices uh, haven't gone to waste. Wow, that's unbelievable. Well, I, you know, before I get to the business side of things, like how did you break out of that, not the cycle, but how did you find your way through that time and into a place where you could get to a place of owning your own business? I, I don't think there is an easy answer for that. I, I think, um, you know, everything is a process, right? What you do as a child, what you do as a young adult sure, and what you do later in life. You don't just snap your finger and I'm going to change my life. Uh, you know, that happens, but I think a lot of the difficulties that you face in life just kind of shape who you are later in life. Sure. That's and sure. Uh, I was just having a conversation with somebody, you know, um, you know, how do you, how do you deal with this and that? But, you know, it, again, it has to do with uh, what you've dealt with in life. You know what kind of difficulties you faced in the past. So maybe if there are there are hard enough situations, you know when you you know in um, 
whatever you deal later in life may not be that difficult. I don't know. I, I think it's important that um, that people go through the process of working, working hard, learning, dealing with problems, so that um, you're not easily rattled. I think uh, you rattle if you don't have enough experiences, right? That's so interesting. Yeah, you know, I was thinking I, I've done a couple of interviews with folks that have really been stretched, you know, early in their careers. And um, I've worked with a lot of people that really get stretched early in their careers or even before their career time, like maybe even in college or getting educated. And what seems so hard at the time and challenging to get through actually helps them later because they've been stretched, right? And so almost anything else that comes their way, they're able to manage through because they don't react to it you know, too significantly. They've, they've already dealt with so many things and different experiences. That sounds like your situation. Yeah. You know, I, when I came here, I, I started delivering paper, morning routes and afternoon routes. I started working when I was 12 years old, and uh, my father passed away when I was, um, you know, in my very early 20s, and, you know, I had to support the family, and, um, and you know, other, you know, that was during the, the recession in the, uh, in the 90s, and, um, you know, other difficult family life, business life, um, but important thing is, that, you know, the cliche thing, it's just not how you... Um, get knocked down but how you get up and That's you so true. just keep moving that's so true. You already jump into like our lessons learned for today. I love that. All right. Well, I mean, I know we could probably spend an entire hour just talking through life experiences, right? And getting to that point. I'm going to jump though to uh, the decision to open your first restaurant. So how did you just... I think I understand and, and know why you chose Burmese food. But how did you decide, you know what? There's I really only have this one place I really like uh, to find that food in California at Clement Street. Um, now we're going to do our own. Like, how did that all happen? Really, <laughs> um, I, I, I had no intention or ever had any intention about opening a restaurant. But in about 2000, when I was eating there with um, then my, my girlfriend, Joycelyn, we, we were eating at Burma Superstar. In those days, there were not a lot of Burmese restaurants. There was only one Burma Superstar, and there was another restaurant called Mandalay. And we were eating there one Saturday, about at 1.30 p.m. Sure. Uh, another customer came in, and you know he said, so he, actually, I think he sounded a little bit distraught, and had said, um, I heard the restaurant was being sold. And, um, <laughs> you know, he's pumped about it. Then when I, when I heard that, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's for sale? Yeah. I mean, that takes away 50% of my Burmese dining, you know, out experience, right? Sure. And I, I didn't cook in those days. My mom always told me, what are you going to eat when I die? Because I don't cook, but then I'll eat anything, right? And um, <laughs> so I end up. Um, calling the uh, the owner to see if he can back out of the deal so that I can purchase it. And uh, he, he did say the restaurant was sold and uh, he'll see what he can do. So that was on a, I called him on a Sunday evening. So we exchanged a phone conversation Sunday evening about at 10 o'clock. Then he called me back about at 10.30 p.m. and said, uh, okay, why don't you come take a look? There might be something I can do. Why don't you come and take a look at the restaurant on Monday? So I, I went to take a look at I went to look at the restaurant on Monday, and uh, by Wednesday I bought the restaurant. So, <laughs> wow! Um, 
Wow. Within a week, you know, I, you know, I had a restaurant, but simply because I, I wanted to keep it as a Burmese restaurant. Sure. Not uh, to make money or because I, I had a lot of ambitions. You know, I just wanted a place where I could eat. <laughs> you could eat, so you just bought the place. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, you hadn't been in the restaurant business before, so I'm going to divert here and ask this question. You know, what were some of the early lessons learned? I, I have several colleagues that have owned restaurants, uh, chains, etc. What were some of the big ahas in owning a restaurant those first couple weeks and months? Well, the big aha was that um, I don't think it's as difficult as people make it out to be. You know, I, I think um, the restaurant is about, um, you like, well, you, you, you have to like food. Right. And you have <laughs> sure. you have to like people. Yeah. And um and you really have to understand what, you know, service and hospitality means, right? Totally. I don't think people totally and you know, how to be hospitable or how to uh, provide you know, service. I think uh, when they go to the business, they 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 think about uh how great their food is, how people are going to love it, and uh, they're going to make a lot of money and this is what you have to do. So, but um, they don't think that, you know, there, there are a lot of adjustment, constant adjustment, and they're just little things, you know, you don't, you don't have to do a, a lot of big things, you know, when people come in, simple things, you know, you say hello, when they leave, you say bye, and of course, there are a lot of little things in between. Sure. Uh, and you don't take anything for granted. No question. And, you know, people focus on food, service, environment, but everybody understands that, and they all try to do that. And uh, probably half of them achieve it, but half of them don't. But I think for us, maybe uh, the fact that Burmese food was so different and that people have never had Burmese food. Sure. uh, By default, we always had to explain what our tea leaf salad was, Uh what Burmese was, where Burma is. Right. And then we realized that by the end, um, they learned something about Burma or Burmese culture through our food. And um, that kind of became a little entertainment. So hence the word, you know, that we adopted. But we, I heard it from somewhere, the word edutainment. Right. Well, so edu- entertainment through, edu- edu- you know, I guess education. So we added another element to uh, the thing that uh, restaurant people must do or people in business businesses must do. The uh, food service environment and for us was the uh, edu- you know entertainment. Sure. Yeah. One of the things I love that you guys do is it's not just about the food. I mean, if it was about the food, that, I mean, that's a plus. But making the experience like unique and different and something that you know you walk home and you've learned something or you've had an amazing time or you felt like appreciated and and you see so many other restaurants out there that yeah they might have good food but I mean if the experience is bad or the service is terrible or the just the guest service atmosphere is negative it, you can immediately feel that and probably won't be returning. Yeah, I think that people will always give you one shot, but it will be difficult for your customers to give you a second shot. So you better do it right the wow. first time. Yeah, and I've never had and, uh, I've never had catfish noodle soup, by the way. Oh, really? I, I think that that's my daughter's uh, favorite dish. <laughs> I've never had that. Oh my gosh. Right. Wow. All right. So you, you own the first place. So how do you go from, um, you know, you own the restaurant to literally lines out the door, people waiting for the doors to open. I mean, how did that happen? Um, I, I hate to be cliche, but, um, you know, 
it's giving value to the customers, and they they have to feel good about what they received when when they leave the restaurant. Um, they have to feel good about paying, and uh, you know what what are what are those things? Uh, you know, it, it would, the cliche thing would be uh, your people. I think that you know I I question the statement about customers are always right. I I'm not sure that and customer comes first. I don't see how you can make uh, your employees um, to put customer first when they are not put, you know, they, they, you don't make them a priority. So really, I think that you have to take care of your people and they feel good about where they're working at, what they're doing, and then that transfers to customers, totally. right? Totally. So Thank right you. off the bat, you... Thank your you. employees like shit, and then you tell them to take, you know, make customer first. It, it just can't happen. Right. You can fake it. <laughs> right. Thanks you for know, working here, and we really appreciate you, sort of, but, you know, make your customer first. Yeah, I mean, versus, hey, we're going to take great care of you. We're going to create an, an environment for you to be successful working here. We're going to give you the tools and the training and the knowledge. You're going to, like, this is an environment for you. I mean, you do that, and then that translates to the guest, right? Right. Yeah, and without, you know, training or without actually caring for them and you can't put customer first so everything goes hand in hand right yeah you know customer first but employees uh, your staff need to be up there uh, you know along with the first with the customers totally and you see that in the best small businesses as well as the best large businesses today that have those type of growing cultures you know they put their employees yeah maybe it's easier said than done you know i don't know There's, I mean, that's again, that's like five more hours of podcast material right there. Um, one of the cool things, Desmond, that you guys do, which I think is extraordinary, is you help people find jobs. And you ha- started working about 10 years ago at the International Rescue Committee, IRC, to help Burmese res- refugees as they have come in. Talk about that experience and how you've helped p- people that have come into the country get started. We celebrated our very first a hire from Internet IRC, which is our International Rescue Committee. And uh, his name is Afu. We, we had a 10-year anniversary uh, you know, uh, celebration, work um, celebration. Um, he, we had dinner. We had gifts for him. Um, we honored him. And it was, it was great. You know, when he came to, when we first hired him, he didn't know how to do anything. And I mean, in, in terms of, uh, you know, work, uh, sure. restaurant work environment, he sure. didn't know how to prep. There are a lot of things that he knew nothing about restaurant business. So he started as a, uh, a dishwasher and then prep. Now he's, um, he's a kitchen manager at, uh, one of our busiest restaurant, Burma Love. And, wow. uh, we're, we're just so lucky, so happy to have him on board and be able to, um, identify people and, uh, train people and uh, be able to promote them to where they're at, where, you know, you know he's, he's a really significant um, uh, person for us. So we work with RRC, we work with different um, committees. RRC, what they do is uh, they, they bring in refugees from different countries, mainly from Malaysia and Thailand, and uh, from temporary um, housing, stipends, and so forth, and look jobs for them. So we work with RRC to hire people uh, for our restaurants. Wow. Unbelievable. That is such a cool story. That's such a cool story. 
And you know, you don't see that with a lot of small businesses. And I think that it's a way of giving back in addition to your nonprofit. Um, yeah, you know, uh, but you know, it, it it's not to it's not just their benefit. We benefit also. You know, we pay them whatever we're supposed to be paying, and then a lot of the time, you know, they work out, and um, you know, they they have an opportunity to leave if they want after uh, you know they they picked up some restaurant skills from us. Uh, more often than not, they end up staying. So we're really happy about that. Well, one of the other cool things I think it's amazing your business. You know, a lot of people start a restaurant and they, they just have a restaurant. I mean, you you're using your restaurant to do good in this this manner, and then you have your own nonprofit, Future Superstars. Talk about that and how you decided to get that started about five years ago. Well, I, th- I think um, um, what you have to do is that you have to be involved in your in your in your neighborhood where you do business. It's not just about making money, but also about um, being involved and giving back to the to the community. What what we do is um, we give scholarships to high school kids who are financially challenged. Each year, we give five or six scholarships to um, to high school kids with nearby our restaurants. Um, this year. We're giving four scholarships to high school kids in the Oakland area. We're doing this with the uh, Golden State Warriors. Yeah, we we've had, we we have um, different um, uh, donors who are close friends who own businesses. So not only are you know are, are we taking the lead, but we're encouraging you know other friends who have businesses to also give back and be involved. But we're also um, building classrooms inside monasteries in Burma for orphanage um, uh, who are using the monastery as for their education and for their housing and um, where they find refuge. And we're going to expand the orphanage um, by building schools for teachers subsidizing teacher salaries so that uh, they could uh, recruit better teachers. And we're really excited about growing that uh, aspect of our, uh, you know, growing that aspect as part of our business. I think it's a must, it's, it, you know, that you have to be involved in, in giving back. That's just what uh, people um, from our restaurant one, and you know, I also think that we're doing it because like, people work for money, but there are other reasons why you know they stay aside from money, and, and I think all these things help. That is so key, right? They come for the dollar and maybe the job, but then they stay for the experience and the culture and, and so many other things. Well, wow. well, usually at this point in the podcast, I usually <laughs> ask my guests to share lessons learned and, and ways that they would recommend other entrepreneurs do it. But I'm not going to do that because, I mean, if you just took the areas we covered and what you've done, it's an unbelievably positive and forward-leaning roadmap for someone that would be starting any business, not just a restaurant. And I think that's so incredible. So instead, I'd like to ask you, what are the top three sellers on the menu? Like if I, if someone's going to come to your restaurant, you're going to say, here are my top three, what would they be? Um, uh, tea leaf salad is uh, really popular. In, in fact, um, Sunset Magazine, um, one year, gave it as the um, 
honor the salad as the best salad of the West. Wow. <laughs> That's it, pretty amazing. That was really, really flattering. And the other one, surprisingly, is the coconut rice. Coconut <laughs> rice? <laughs> coconut rice? Yeah. Okay. Tell me coconut why that's rice. so popular. Right. And they are curries are great. Different types of curry. Lamb curry, pork curry, beef curry. Wow. And, and then they're the, great with coconut. Of course, the catfish noodle soup. I'm sure some people get scared about that because it has the word catfish in it, right? Yeah, I think uh, it's slightly pungent, but <laughs> a national dish for Burma. People yeah. in Burma eat it for breakfast and lunch. Oh my gosh! See, I didn't, Every I did day, not know that. It, it's a it's a great dish. It's it's a pho for you know pho is for Vietnamese and the uh, the catfish chowder is for Burmese. Wow, unbelievable! I mean, I had no but idea. We we uh, we fully intend to introduce that dish to. Uh, more so to even more later, you know, um, um, <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> um, I, I, I think that we will be promoting the dish to our customers um, a lot more than how we've been doing it in the past, because I really, it's, it's a really a great tasty dish and it's very hearty. Um, it, it's, it, it's, um, it's a national dish of Burma, just like how the TV salad is another national dish of Burma. It's just a great dish. I, I, I would, I'd like to introduce it to uh, people who, who enjoy pho, people who enjoy ramen. Hey, this is a Burmese version of it. Wow. Okay. I like that. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that grow with your business. So last but not least, Desmond, where can our audience come visit you? Come try out the food, find you online. Well, our, our restaurants are in San Francisco, um, Alameda and Oakland. Um, just look for BurmaInc.com. The addresses are there. And for the, uh, the product, our, our, food, our, our food products are only available in, in the uh, San Francisco, immediate San Francisco Bay Area at uh, a lot of the, the uh, natural, gro- natural grocery stores. And also at Whole Foods. Ah, very nice. And then online? Uh, not yet, but probably in about uh, nine months. We're 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 in the middle of the uh, the tech zone, but we're not very tech savvy. <laughs> That's okay. I don't think you have to worry we're, about we're that. We're very food savvy. <laughs> I love that. Well, you guys can also find information on the restaurants on the. Um, culinary book and whatnot at BurmaInc.com and Desmond it has been awesome having you on the podcast I, I can't wait to get back out in San Francisco and come visit you uh, thank you very much uh, please call me um, and I, I'd love to sit down and, and share a meal with you and uh, learn about your really interesting uh, background <laughs> alright you're on I'll take you up on that Desmond thanks so much for being on thank you the Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.